This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. Today on the show, we welcome from Wild Birds Unlimited, Nathan Weisinger. He'll talk with us today about bird feeding in the fall and winter season, the seeds to use, and the feeders that work best for this time of year. We'll also talk about sources of water for these birds and answer any questions that you may have about the birds you're seeing in your yard. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to answer some pet questions. So join our conversation with an email or a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. I always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it does repeat every Saturday morning at six. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Dr. Major, uh, on Monday Night Football this last Monday, uh, the game was interrupted slightly. Well, actually, the other interesting thing I've, I remember about it was the game was actually still going on at one end of the field when a black cat ran onto the other end of the field, uh, and then eventually they stopped it, and it's the usual thing when a cat gets loose at a sporting event. He runs around. You know, they're making jokes about how well he can cut and that sort of thing, and it, it and this cat, I don't think, if I remember correctly, they never really did get him. He eventually kind of got herded up to a tunnel and uh, left uh, the field. Now, on social media, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, you see a lot of videos of fellow cats seeing this on the TV and sort of, you know, acting as if they were rooting him on or whatever. And I know that there are, I think, even TV channels devoted to cats that might have, I don't know, birds or something. As, as what we know about the way cats see do they know what they're looking at, or maybe are they reacting to the light pattern on the TV? What What are your thoughts on that? You know, that's interesting. I, I have a cat that uh, watches TV pretty good, and a dog, too. Others ignore it. Uh, a lot of times they are more enthralled by the sounds. Uh, for example, a dog starts barking when the doorbell on our oh, phone, yeah, on the- phone rings. <laughs> uh, I think they can see, and I, there are channels for Pet entertainment, uh, which probably are better than some of the uh, uh, cold, brutal facts of life type channel that you would see in Africa or somewhere like that, uh, with the you know um, animals hunting. But there are some animal channels that you can leave on. I, I think it's a good idea. Uh, you probably have to do just like for a child, uh, definitely maybe uh, preview or censor because. I think the bird got really scared one day. He saw the TV had been left on, and it wasn't a good show. Uh, it was a good show for adults, maybe. But anyway, he was he was back in the back of his cage the next day, shaking and didn't come out for a while. So this is African gray. I think they know a lot. So anyway, long story short, uh, yes, they can see. Um, and it's interesting to me because, you know, the one I saw on Facebook, was, and it was a black cat, and there were like this person owned three black cats. And sure enough, all of them ran up there, and they kind of looked around, and they jumped up. Now, what my cat does is he'll jump up and sit right in front of the TV screen, and that's kind of like, well, hey, you know, the rest of us are trying to watch the show as well. So Right. Uh, but uh, that, that cat uh, probably, I don't know if it lived there, probably did somewhere. Uh, there are probably mice and rats and plenty of game for that, that cat. If I had to bet, I would say it was an intact tomcat. He had big jowls that looked like uh, 
were typical of a uh, male male cat that uh, has not been neutered. Uh, and he, you know, I would be scared too if I was in front of 80,000 fans and all that. But I think I think he uh, made the right move and got off the field. You know, I agree with you, and that was the thing I was thinking of when I saw it was that, you know, because, again, once everybody figured out what was going on, there was a lot of cheering and yelling and that sort of thing. You know, as you said, thousands of people there, rowdy people at a football game, and then, you know, the state troopers closing in on him. So he did look a little panicked, but uh, I think the cats usually win those kinds of confrontations. You know, that the hurting cats is a, is a saying, you know, particularly because – you know, even my cat, and, and he doesn't usually get too upset, but sometimes uh, he lets me know when he doesn't want to be picked up or if I'm holding him that he doesn't want to be held anymore. So exactly. uh, they, they certainly, it's amazing the way they can wiggle and maneuver their body there when they, uh, when they need to, uh, to get out of a situation. Uh, we're going to be talking today with uh, Nathan Weisinger from Wild Birds Unlimited, talking about uh, bird seed and bird feeders and birds in general. So if you have some questions for Nathan, you can give us a call. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions as well. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Before our first break, though, we do have some emails to get to, a couple of bird questions and a pet question. Uh, so, Nathan, this first one says, I'd love to watch hummingbirds and have several feeders. Is it better to have a feeder with a little perch for them to stand on so that they don't have to hover while eating? What are your thoughts? It is important for them to have something to rest on. Those little birds are going a mile a minute, so when they eat, it's good for them to rest and be able to have somewhere. Okay. Use the perch. Uh, the other one says, our lone hummingbird is still coming to the feeder now for two weeks. He looks healthy. Will he stay all winter or will he finally leave? And anything special to do for hummingbirds maybe this time of year? The best thing to do is to leave a hummingbird feeder out year-round. Okay. One, one small hummingbird feeder during the winter. Some hummingbirds just don't make it with migration, so they'll hang around. But they're going to be hungry. Okay. So you want to leave a feeder out for them. Right. Interestingly, uh, two or three years ago, there was a rufous hummingbird that they do kind of a east-west migration and uh uh, one of my friends actually they had a (laughs) i don't know if the bird went into it but they set up a a lamp close to the feeder when it was cold where he could but i I don't know whether he ever really went to that but uh we do see a few I, i still got one feeder out i took all the rest up and uh we'll see if we get any there uh, what about in terms of how frequently to change the, the juice that's in the feeder? I would change it every four to five days. It, you can kind of tell when you look at the liquid. It'll start getting cloudy when it's time to change it. Okay. Um, when it's cold outside, it's going to have a longer life than it would when it's summer and it's real hot. So. Right, right. Yeah, no, I know in the summer when it's the 90-degree heat, you probably have to change it a little bit more right. frequently. <laughs> All right, and again, uh, we have this other email here, this one about a couple of cats. So it says, I have two sister female cats that are both overweight. They're around 10 years old and have never gone outside. They fight each other sometimes, but my problem is their eating habits. They'll only eat a small portion, then later they come to me meowing until I follow them to their bowl, where there's still dry food in the bowl. It's like they want fresh food, and that sounds familiar to me. I put small portions so not to waste it. I've tried several kinds of food, like Purina 1 Indoor Cat, Purina Beyond, which is grain-free, Meow Mix Cat Food. I also have two small dogs inside, but they have separate bowls and separate rooms. I keep their litter box cleaned out, uh, but I can't figure out why they're meowing to me and won't stop till I follow them. Mainly, one of the cats does this. Any thoughts on this one? 
Sounds like a training process, uh, I guess, <laughs> training you. Uh, the the real thing about that is that, yes, they like to see a little fresh food in, in, in the bowl. I would suggest if both of these cats are overweight, you really need to measure out the, the amount of food that they're taking in. One may be eating more than the other, but uh, measure it out and be sure that you're not uh, overfeeding. And it's possible if they're grossly overweight, you may want to select a food for some weight loss. But sure, put a few crumbs in there, and if they're satisfied with that uh, uh, each time, it may wear you out. But the cats, the cats are pretty smart. They they like the idea of fresh food. Yeah, I mean that's that email sounds very familiar to me because that's the case. <laughs> the only time I see an empty food bowl is if I've gone out of town and I've had someone you know come over and feed uh, a little less frequently than I do. But my cat is the same way that I'll give him a scoop of food or a couple scoops of food and then you know he'll eat some but then he'll come meowing and know he wants some and we go over to the bowl and he's still got some left i used to uh, do the trick of pouring the the food back in the big bowl and then pouring something in a small bowl but now i'll just go ahead and, and give him uh, an extra scoop and uh, i also had a cat uh, when i was in college our family cat and he was really bad about needing to have an escort to his food bowl in the morning <laughs> So I finally, though, out-tricked him was he would come and meow, meow, meow. So we would get up. I'd start down the hallway towards the kitchen. The cat would dash ahead of me, and then I would turn around and go back to bed. So every <laughs> once in a while, okay. we, out, we humans do outsmart the felines, although most of the time uh, they get the better of us, and that's for sure. But I think, you know, that's part of the fun of being a cat owner, I think. All right, let's uh, go ahead and take our first break this hour. When we get back, we'll talk with Nathan Weisinger from Wild Birds Unlimited. We're talking about what birds are eating, the importance of bird houses during the fall and winter months, and more throughout the rest of this hour. And Dr. Major's here, ready to take some pet questions. Join our conversation with your phone call. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more. So stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. And our guest today from Wild Birds Unlimited is Nathan Weisinger. If you want to join our conversation with a question or comment, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. I think here in Mississippi, we're blessed with having uh, birds of different kinds throughout the year. And so this is your opportunity to find out more about the birds that we're seeing in Mississippi this time of year. we got some open phone lines ready to go. And again, Dr. Major here, always ready for your pet questions. So Nathan, thanks for being with us on the show today. If you could maybe tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in birds. Well, I got interested. My grandmother has been feeding the birds since I've been alive, and she has just really helped me get the interest going for years. Mm -hmm. um, just sitting in her backyard watching her feed the birds, helping me identify different birds, and and uh, started working in Wild Birds Limited in high school and. 
industry. Yeah, good interest. Where is Wild Birds Unlimited located? It's on the I-55 Frontage Road near uh, Northside Drive. It's in the same shopping center as Piccadilly. Okay. And uh, what uh, what do you sell there? What can uh, bird lovers that are, are looking for things find at the store? We we sell bird feeders, bird baths, bird food, just anything you can need to to get birds in your backyard. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're going to be talking about some of those things, about uh, the types of uh, feed to use and, and uh, bird bass and those sorts of things. But first of all, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, the types of birds that people might be able to see in their backyard uh, this time of year and maybe over the next few months. Uh, and if you would, for folks like me who are not real educated about birds, give us an idea of, of what these birds look like. Let's maybe start with the dark-eyed junco. The dark-eyed junco is a it's a medium-sized bird. Um, near the size of a, a cardinal, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit smaller, um, and it's got these dark rings around its eyes. It's, it's kind of a grayish bird, um, as most of our wintering birds are, um, but it's got these dark rings around their eyes, giving them the name. Okay. Um, the winter sparrows, like the white-throated sparrow, these are smaller birds, I think, aren't they? These are your smaller birds. There's, these are the birds you're going to see hopping around on the ground. The white-throated sparrow has a white throat. And um, they mingle pretty well with all the rest of the finches and sparrows. You you won't be able to really, without having them side by side, be able to distinguish them. But all right, what about a goldfinch? Goldfinch is a very pretty bird. They come from up north, New York area, and they come down here for uh, for winter migration. Um, they when they're here during winter, they have a very grayish greenish color to them. Um, they don't really turn gold until spring. That's when they get they get their spring plumage. Uh, but when you see them right now, they'll look like a kind of a greenish finch. And I think that the the color changes partly because in the spring that's when they mate. Is that correct? That's and so correct. they're they're dressing up to impress the uh, the other sex there, the ladies, I guess. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, we've got a couple of callers on the line, so let's uh, start off with some phone calls. We'll go first to uh, James, who's called in from Vicksburg. James, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning, guys. Uh, I've got a question about a cat. I've got a newer kitten. It's half Mancoon, half or Maine Coon, I'm sorry, and half Siamese. He's very playful, runs around the house, very loving, but he's at that stage where he wants to bite everything. And is is there anything I can do to stop him from biting my hand so much? Right. Is this the only cat you've got? No, sir. I've got a, a older female cat. Okay. What is the history on this kitten? Was he hand raised or uh was he a you know, a member of a litter? He he was a member of the litter. Okay. Um he come from I think eight siblings. Okay. The the previous owners had the male and the uh, female that were the mother and father of the cat. Right. Uh that that helps. I, I, one of the things that you really need to do is distract this kitten, which I'm sure you've tried to do. Uh, and some people may disagree with me, but when it starts to bite, I, I do a good thump on the nose, you know, with my fingers, just a flick-type thump. And they get the attention usually with that rather than uh, being more aggressive. I don't intend to hurt anything, but they need to know that this is inappropriate behavior. We see more of this with cats that are raised on a bottle or raised separately from a litter simply because they don't have the interaction of playing uh, with their siblings. If they bite a sibling, what's going to happen? That (laughs) sibling's going to bite back or scratch them. So you need to be fairly forceful because you don't need to let this develop 
into a uh, severe thing as this cat gets bigger. The other thing would be to take little nail clippers and keep those uh, little claws trimmed back down to the, not the quick, but get the sharp points off of them. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate the information, guys, and I'll, I will carry that on and try it out. Good luck, and uh, I, distraction is good. If a cat likes to play with certain toys or something like that, it may be a, a big help. Yes, with the yellow ducky. Okay. <laughs> and also, James, I would say, you know, I had a, uh, my cat was like that. He was a very aggressive kind of a biter when he was a kitten, and he has outgrown that somewhat. So I think uh, Dr. Major's advice as well, but, you know, hopefully that uh, as he gets a little bit older, uh, maybe he'll grow out of that stage just a little bit, and he won't be such a biter. But uh, we appreciate your call. Let's stay on the phone lines, because next we've got uh, Lee, who's called in from Natchez. Lee, you're on the air with us. It's your turn. Go ahead. Morning. Uh I, I was at a, a farmer's market a week or so ago, and a guy was selling birdhouses, and he had constructed them out of cedar, so they really look really nice. And it's got a two-by-three or two-by-two slat that holds the bird feeder on there, and then you got to attach it to a pole. And I'd like to know how high off the ground should that bird feeder be, bird house be because there are cats in the area. We recommend about five foot off the ground, um, the bottom of the house about five foot off the ground. And if you can fashion some kind of baffle on the pole to keep cats, raccoons, any kind of predator away from the house, that'll help your chances of success with nesting. What do you mean by baffle? Just something, something to wrap around the pole um, to keep things from being able to climb up, maybe like a cone piece of uh, sheet metal. Something like that. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Uh, another, I have two, three questions. That's the first one. Uh, the second one was uh, it, it, he he constructed this birdhouse out of sea, out of cedar. And it's very very attractive, and I wanted to stain it to bring out the color. Would that bother the birds in any way after even after it dries and all of that or what? I don't think there'd be a problem with it if you did it now. Um, let all the fumes and stuff get out of the way um mm-hmm. i wouldn't do it early spring when the birds are starting to nest oh, okay okay all right uh also on the bottom of it he has a little trap door there with a screw in it for a clean out how necessary is that and, and how often should i bother with cleaning it out i don't know i, I that's first i'd heard of that yes sir you you want to clean out your birdhouse before every nesting season and then after every brood that they have. So um, if they have a brood of youngins and they fledge, go ahead and clean it out and let them start over. It's part of their nesting ritual to build a nest together. So you want to you wanna clean it out. And it also helps prevent uh, parasites and stuff from getting in the nest. You just, just open that up and, just, and, and maybe kind of stick something in there and brush it, pull, pull everything out. You don't put any water or anything in there, right? You, you can. You can get a, a damp sponge and kind of wipe it out, but I wouldn't do much more than that. Okay. Now, you, you said before next season, start before they start nesting next season, how is that determined, dude? Well, nesting season usually starts about mid-February, so um, and it can go as far as beginning of June. So I would I would have everything ready to go for them by the beginning of February. Yeah, Lee, and I would go ahead, and as Nathan suggested, go ahead and, and do your staining now. 
uh, even before you put it up in that way. Give it plenty of time to dry out so that there's not any kind of odor left in there. But uh, some great questions. We appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join the conversation, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Next up, we've got Bill called in from Greenwood. You're on the air with us, Bill. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, hi, y'all. Uh, I used to have a toadie and a white toadie spur and a ginkgo stump. I haven't seen them lately. I was wondering what kind of seed do I need to put out there for them to come? And uh, I've got a bird feeder that I hang up. Should I hang it up rather high or low or how should I position it in the tree as far as hanging it? As far as hanging your bird feeder, you just want to make sure that it's not prone to predators getting near it. Um, so a little higher would be good, but you don't want it to be out of reach for you to fill it. Yeah. And as far as your seed, I would uh, I would try to stick with something like um, sunflower seeds. Um, we usually recommend something without the shell on it that you can buy sunflower holes which are just the, I mean, the the hearts, sunflower hearts, and that helps a lot of birds uh, be able to get to the food that have soft beaks. So Well, I, I use a sunflower seed, and I, I didn't know I used to use that mix, and I started using all sunflower seeds, and that's where they don't come anymore. Should I try to mix in some of the other with it like I used to? Uh, I don't know what kind of a millet, a millet or some other kind of grains that they like? Yes, sir. We recommend when you're switching bird seed to just kind of slowly change over. You start just increasing the ratio of your new seed mixed with your old seed, and eventually they'll kind of get acclimated to the new seed. It takes them a few few weeks sometimes. All right. Well, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right, Bill, we appreciate your phone call. Uh, This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's go ahead and take another break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Our guest today from Wild Birds Unlimited is Nathan Weisinger. And uh, Dr. Major is here ready to take some pet questions. If you want to join in on our conversation, the phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Sciences, is out today. But we do have a guest in studio. It's Nathan Weisinger from Wild Birds Unlimited. If you missed any of today's show, you can always subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. You can do that. Uh, then you get to listen to all of the Think Radio programs on your schedule. Uh, you can also give us a call if you want to join our conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 
You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Nathan, we were going through some of the birds that folks might see in Mississippi this time of year. The next one on the list is one that, again, I'm not a a birder guy, but this is one I've not heard of, the pine siskin. Tell us a little bit about that one. The pine siskin is also a wintering bird. They usually, they migrate with the goldfinch, and they look very similar to the goldfinch. Um, And they, they have this streaking going down their, their body, and, which the goldfinch don't. The goldfinch have, usually have this bold black instead of streaking. It's a very common one to get mixed up with uh, goldfinch, but they, they come together and they, they eat together. So Okay. Uh, what about the cedar waxwings? Cedar waxwings, they, uh, they're a very pretty bird. They, they have this mask around their, their eyes. It's like, a, like just a black mask, and then they got this tuft coming off the top of their head. And they uh they like to eat the the holly berries off of holly bushes holly trees mm-hmm. and they uh they'll come in and clean off those those uh those bushes and then they'll head out somewhere else they're very pretty birds uh so they have a distinctive sound so you might be able to hear them before you see them yes it's a very very high pitched sound and you'll hear all hundred of them when they're in that tree <laughs> all right uh what is uh, safflower Safflowers is white seed. Um, it's very bitter. Um, it it's great to use to deter mammals uh, because of the bitterness. And the same thing with blackbirds. Blackbirds are especially especially uh, prominent during the winter. And if you are having a problem with them, you can start feeding safflower. They usually don't like that bitter taste. Whereas your cardinal, that's one of their favorite seeds. So um, you'll still have your birds in your yard, and the blackbirds will try to stay away so uh, this time of year can blackbirds the amount of them the abundance of them be a bit of a problem it definitely can um they they come in in flocks and they they spot feed they'll come in and they'll eat all of the food in one area and then they'll leave and go find some more food so um and it usually goes away once the cold goes away um but they're they're sometimes a problem in your yard so we're visiting today on Creature Comforts with Nathan Weisinger from Wild Birds Unlimited, talking about uh, some of the birds we see in Mississippi this time of year, and also talking a little bit about, we'll talk a little bit about uh, bird seed and uh, bird houses and bird uh, feeders, that sort of thing. If you'd like to join our conversation with your phone call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So um, if, if you want to attract different kinds of birds to your yard, is it a good idea to have different kinds of bird feeders? And if that is the case, maybe give us an idea of a couple of the different kinds of bird feeders you can get. Definitely. I would recommend a, uh, a tube feeder, just your regular tube feeder. You can put your loose seed in. It's what we call like a foundational feeder. And it's something that's going to hold seed for more than one day and be able to provide sustenance to your birds when say you go out of town there'll still be seed in there um you also have like a suet feeder suet is a high fat uh product that birds need during the cold um it helps them have energy and and um so it's good to have that and there's also birds like the woodpecker that prefer suet over some seeds so you'll you'll get a greater chance of attracting some of these birds and I think I've seen the suet feeder. Basically, you can just hang it, and it's that it's a big blob of the suet, and then the birds kind of eat on it as as they need to. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's a it's we have them in uh, it's a cage, and mm-hmm. you put a, a suet. It's like a square. It's a block, and you stick it down in there, and the birds will come and pick it right off, and they go crazy for it. 
what about in terms of in, uh, how long does it last? Do you have to worry about you know changing it out or, or keeping an eye on it throughout the winter? I would keep an eye on it um, just to make sure it's not going bad, just like any other food product, it can go bad. And um, so especially if it's sitting out in your yard, it's definitely going to go bad faster than something in your cabinet. But um, I would just check it for mold and stuff like that. But it should last you a couple of weeks at least. Okay. And I think that you mentioned earlier that some of the birds are, are kind of ground feeders. Are there some things that we can do if you want to try to attract and help uh, feed those birds in your yard? Yes. Uh, some of the seed blends you buy will have white millet in it. And white millet is a grass seed. And your birds that are sitting at your feeder will actually pick it out of the food and throw it on the ground. And then your ground feeding birds will come behind them and eat it off the ground. Okay. Uh, looks like we got another phone call on the line, and it is our friend Dudley calling in from Cal- Calhoun County. Thanks for calling, Dudley. You're on there with us. Go ahead. Thank you, and enjoy the show so much. Uh, I have become fascinated by crows, but I do not know where they nest. Could the bird guy explain? That is a question I do not know the answer to, but I, I'm sure I could find out. All right, Dudley, you've temporarily stumped us, but we'll do some research uh, uh, during the break, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll see if we can figure out where, where those crows are nesting. We appreciate your phone call. Always good to hear from you, and thanks for the kind words uh, that you give us each week. Uh, Dr. Major, do you know anything about uh, crows? Not exactly where they would be nesting. I suspect that they, uh, you know, crows go by a family. Uh, when I say a family, a lot of times you'll they'll uh, you'll see a pair or two, and then they're uh, young birds. Uh, I know one place in particular you'll see them out on the road, working the road, uh, probably picking up uh, everything from worms to uh, grasshoppers, etc. Uh, uh, Nathan is going to help us with that. I suspect in uh, a pine tree or something like that probably would be a logical place. From what I'm reading, they're not very picky. Just, they, <laughs> okay, they just don't nest at ground level. Is all I all I could find. So. All right. Okay. Well, that you know, so that's good. They'll take advantage of anything they can find there, and they are very intelligent birds. That's for sure, and, and they're they're fun to watch. Um, so uh, we've been talking a little bit about bird feeders, and Nathan, you told us a little bit about a couple of different kinds. Uh, what about location? What are some tips for where? Uh, you want to put the bird feeders in your backyard this time of year to help out the birds. Well, you definitely don't want to put them near a window or anything that reflects. Birds will see that, and sometimes they'll uh, think it's more of your yard, and they'll try to fly, keep going. They'll uh, Sometimes they'll see the reflection, and they'll uh, think it's another bird. Um, this all can cause them to run into the window, and that's never good. So you want to make sure it's away from your house. Um, but in a good position where you can see it from your house, from your window. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make sure your feeders are high enough off the ground that predators like cats, raccoons, anything like that that could um, jump up and grab a bird, um, make sure it's high enough to where they can't do that. So we recommend probably around anywhere from four to six foot, but you, the important thing is to make sure you can get to the feeder and fill it. So mm-hmm. um there's other ways you can deter predators. Yeah, you talked earlier about uh, baffling, is that the word? Yes, sir. And again, that's just some sort of barrier, maybe below the feeder, to deter anybody that's trying to climb up the pole to get to it. That's correct. It's Typically, you'll find it's just a, a round piece of sheet metal that's in a cone shape underneath your feeder, and it helps keep anything from a cat to a snake from climbing up there, so... 
Now, we've not mentioned it, but I know it's important that in addition to providing seed and feed for birds, we need to give them a source for water. So what are your suggestions? Maybe a bird bath or something? What, how do we make sure that the, the birds are getting enough water as well? I definitely recommend a uh, bird bath, fountain, anything uh, that can hold water for a while. During the winter months, you want to make sure that you have some way to uh, heat the bird bath so it doesn't freeze and crack it. Um, we uh, we even sell uh, this thing that moves the water for you so it won't uh, be stagnant and, you know, stagnant water freezes faster. So, um, but you just want to make sure they have a, a steady water source and if it freezes, they can't they can't get into it. Uh, you know, that's interesting because I know cats, uh, you know, they make a, a like a bubbler for cats. So it's it's water that's not stagnant. And I, I'm wondering if the same with birds, if they might prefer a source where the water is, is moving a little bit. Most definitely. Birds love moving water. That's one of our uh, one of our uh, uh, points we try to get across is that birds, they it's it's like they're like a bubbling stream. They'll, they're more likely to go to a bubbling stream than they are just a stagnant puddle. So um, if moving water definitely attracts them, and it also helps deter mosquitoes. It helps keep water from freezing. It, it's good. Now, the term bird bath, do, do birds actually, I mean, not like a shower or anything, but do they use it more for just drinking? Do they kind of bathe in bird baths? They absolutely do, yes, sir. They, they throw water all around them and dance around in it. Okay. So they're not only giving them something that maybe keep them uh, entertained as well. Um, okay, so let's talk now a little bit about some some bird houses. Uh, what why is it important do you think to have, especially this time of year, to have some bird houses in your yard or, or places where birds can congregate? Well, during the winter, you know, during the cold, they they have to have somewhere to stay warm, stay out of the wind, stay out of the weather. A lot of times, birds will gather up in birdhouses and use them in a totally different way than they would in the spring. They'll go in there with several of them, six, seven, eight of them, and bundle together and stay warm. So it's very important to have, clean out your houses now so they'll have somewhere to get out of the wind and the weather. All right. Would um, Do all birds like birdhouses, and do all birds like the same kind of birdhouse? No. They're, they're, a lot of them are picky, and some of them don't care what it is. Um, and... A lot of your your larger birds don't uh, don't cavity nest. So, mm-hmm. like your uh, your like your crows and stuff like that, they'll they'll be better off climbing in a tree and huddling in a in some close to a tree with each other than they would in a in a birdhouse. But there is different sizes of birdhouses, different shapes, and different different ways to hang them to accommodate different birds. But if someone were to come into the store looking for a birdhouse, you would be able to tell them sort of what sort of birds that would attract because, as you mentioned, some birds won't even use a bird house at all. Right, yes, sir. We'll be able to lead them to the right house for them. And you also mentioned uh, that you want to make sure that it's not a, you know, you put it up there and, and never visit it again. You want to make sure you do some maintenance on your birdhouses. And you had mentioned, I think, when Lee called in, the importance of cleaning out the uh, the, the house. So if you could remind us again of, of some maintenance that you need to do on these birdhouses. Before nesting season starts, which is anywhere from the end of February to June, that's the period of uh, nesting season, you want to make sure you clean out the house. You want to make sure you get all old nests, um, eggshells, anything that are left in there out. Uh, it doesn't hurt to get some water and a sponge and, and wipe it out. And uh, this just makes sure that it's all it's parasite free. Uh, there's no diseases. There's 
you know, there's nothing left in there to hurt the birds once they start having those babies. Now, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but is the birdhouse more like a single unit house or is it an apartment building? In other words, is when you have a birdhouse, are you pretty much going to get one quote unquote family of birds in the house? Yes, it'll be uh, just a, a pair of birds and they'll nest in it and like like our uh, eastern bluebird, they'll nest in it, and every time they have a brood, they will they will restart the the nesting ritual, mm-hmm. and they might pick a whole other house after that. But um, some birds they'll nest in the same house year after year, time after time. So, just depends on the bird. But when you put one up, then it's whoever that first lucky bird pair that gets in there, they're, they're going to be the ones that have it. That's for right. That's right. And you'll see them fighting for it too sometimes. Now that brings up another question, it, it, both with houses and feeders. Is there a lot of territorial fighting going on, and or do birds tend to be nice when it comes to sharing things? Uh, houses they do get territorial, especially once they start nesting. Mm-hmm. Nesting, they get real protective over their nest. Um, feeders sometimes they do, um, depending on the bird and depending on how vital food is. Like late winter when there's no food, they will usually stop worrying about other birds getting in it and they'll just be worrying about getting their fill and getting out um but when it's like this time of year in fall they they can be kind of territorial just because they have a food source and they just want to protect it all right let's go ahead and take one last break this hour we've been visiting throughout the hour with nathan weisinger from wild birds unlimited talking a lot about the birds we see this time of year and bird feeders and bird houses that sort of thing if you have a bird related question you can give us a call the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four send an email to animals at mpbonline.org we'll be back to wrap up the program after this so stay tuned Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And our guest today from Wild Birds Unlimited is Nathan Weisinger. You can join our conversation. Still time for you to join in with a phone call or an email. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Got about 10 minutes in the show left, and we do have some open phone lines. So if you have a question, go ahead and jump on the phone lines right now. We'll see if we can't help you. Uh, this uh, came in uh, the email during the break. Our producer, Java, brought it in, and it's uh, uh, an email with a couple of pictures. But uh, Cole sent it in. He says he lives in northeast Mississippi by the 10 Tom Waterway. Uh, my wife and I were walking our dogs on the trails at the Jamie L. Witten Center. When we came out of the trails, we heard an eagle. We saw a bald eagle chasing another type of raptor. They fought in air, and the other eagle dropped its catch. Didn't get the phone out in time uh, to get a picture of both birds, but he did send us a picture of one of the eagles soaring uh, in the air. And then also he got a close-up picture of the fish that they apparently were fighting over that one of them dropped. So I didn't know about this, but, you know, you all both said that for sure that Nathan, this is this is the not that atypical to see some birds like that in air kind of fighting over some some food. That's right. Sometimes they just they'll it could be territory, it could be lack of food, it could be anything, but 
usually large birds will try to make sure that they're in charge. So. All right. Now, they one of them dropped the fish. Is it game over at that time, or would they be willing to maybe one of them go down and retrieve it after the other one's left or whatever? It's it's possible, but I would feel an eagle would be more um, likely to want a fresh catch okay. and go back and retrieve something that's on the ground. You know, I, I always love to put human kind of behaviors and everything on animals, so he's like... <laughs> I'm better than that. I'm not going to go take that used fish. I'm going to go find another one for myself. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Hey, looks like we've got some phone calls to get to. So let's uh, start again uh, with um, Tricia, who's called in today from Jackson. Good morning, Tricia. You're on the air with us. Good morning. I have a question about my 13-year-old Siamese cat. Okay. He um, is not using his litter box anymore. It started kind of gradually. He started um, using going to the bathroom next to his litter box. And that continued for quite a while. I took the lid off to make it easier for him, and he still wouldn't go in his litter box. Now he's going in the corner, you know, various rooms in the house, and he has diarrhea. I thought it might be his, you know, diet, so I changed his diet to a raw cat food instinct, and it's not helping. Okay. Uh, 13 years old, still should be in pretty good shape. Is he overweight? No. Has he had any... Any urinary tract problems as far as UTI? Yes. You know, one of the things that uh, does happen a lot of times with uh, older cats is that uh, arthritis can inhibit somewhat going in and out of the box. Uh, I, I know you've probably tried. You may try a very shallow box with, uh, say, visqueen under it or something like that, which would help. I would definitely put a box if he has a corner that he's going to more than the other. With the diarrhea situation, you do need to really see your vet about that. And okay. uh, I would suggest a good health exam if you haven't had that yet. But uh, there, there's a reason there somewhere why he's abandoned uh, his regular litter box. And uh, I, I would say that it would be very wise to get him in and have him checked over good. Okay? Okay. I'll go ahead and do that. Thank you. All right, Tricia, thanks for your call. Let's uh, move on next. We've got uh, John, who's in Memphis. Good morning, John. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, sir. We've got a, I call him a neighborhood cat that visits two or three of the houses along the way, but he has suffered an injury right along his neck area. He won't let us get him to where we can get him into a vet. He has let my wife doctor him a couple times, but he fights us. And my wife suffered several scratches yeah. from it, but she has tried to doctor him up. And it doesn't seem like the wound is healing. Is there anything that we could do to help this cat out? Like I say, he's a neighborhood cat. Right. And he comes and goes with several houses through there. So we've all been watching. Understood. Uh, where, where do you feed this cat? Where does he eat? He usually eats on the back porch of our house. Okay. Every once in a while, he'll he'll want to venture into the house, and right. then he's wanting right back out. I think he's right. just explored. Right. Well, one of the things you don't want to get uh, is bitten or scratched severely, which can be which can be bad. Uh, I would suggest if you would start get a fairly large carrier, one of the hard-bodied carriers, uh, start putting food close to the front of that. And then work out putting it inside the carrier and close that. You can close that down. Your vet should be able to sedate him or do whatever he has to do. It sounds like this is a pretty good infection there, a pretty bad infection. 
And oh, I think, yes. And I think it would be wise to do that. But if you can work over the next few days, maybe something he really chooses, like canned food or something like that, and then uh, just rig a way to close that door before he decides to come out. Good luck to you, okay. and I hope that works. Well, you said something about infection, and he's smelling real bad. I can right. smell the more or less rot. Right. And we're, we're trying to get him some help, so I thought maybe you might have a suggestion. I'll try that and see if we can get him some help. That would be the best because it's going to be difficult for you to do a whole lot more treatment to that, it sounds like. Good yes, luck sir. to you. All righty. Thank you very much. Thanks, John, for your call. Let's uh, get one final call in for this hour, and it is Susan calling in from Meridian. Good morning, Susan. Hey, I have a bird feeder. I used my old 6x12 trampoline. I spared the birds of sea there. <laughs> my backyard's fenced, so I don't have problems with other animals, except one time my neighbor's cat did get back there, and I threw water on her, and she hadn't come back. <laughs> and my, I told my neighbor about it. We both laughed. But I have some dogs, so that you know that keeps other critters. But that's why I feed them. I'm a six by twelve trampoline. Now, one other thing, I have an old feeder that I gave my daddy many years ago that was made, and it has PVC PVC pipe, hmm. a little attachment on the bottom, and then you put it on a PVC pipe, and no animal can climb up. And I've got to get it recopied. Re, you know, get somebody to rebuild one because it's gotten really old, and put a PVC pipe in my backyard for that too. All right, thanks, Susan, for your call. Some good things there, um, uh, Nathan. Have you ever heard of someone using a, a trampoline as a bird feeder? No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> Give them a little exercise there while they're getting something to eat. I guess that's right. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, the we talked about the suet cakes, uh, and I think that we mentioned uh, maybe. Sunflower seeds, what are some other uh, popular things and some things that uh, if people are looking to fill their feeders with something that the birds will like uh, that they should put in there? Definitely in the wintertime we have uh, we have blends that are higher in fat, higher in protein that uh, just help the birds make it through the, the long nights and the cold, cold days. So anything that you can find, like peanuts, um, any kind of suet, just sunflower seeds, anything with a lot of fat and a lot of protein in it is really good for the birds. Okay. Uh, and we mentioned that if uh, someone needs some expert advice, certainly come into the store and you all will be able to help them out. If they wanted to do a little, little research on their own about uh, uh, bird seeds, feeders, and things that are good for birds this time of year, I guess maybe Google. Are there any other resources that you might point folks towards? You can go to our website at uh, com um, or wbu.com, excuse me, or uh, – just any Audubon. Um, if you t- if you type in birds, one of these websites is going to pop up. But it's Audubon or something like that, Sibley, they'll they'll help you with your research. And then also, I think from uh, previous conversations we had, if you're beginning to maybe you just put a bird feeder in your yard and you're seeing the birds in there to help identify what they are, there are some great resources online that. You know, you can get some pictures of, but, you know, to try to find an identifying mark on the bird and then research that, and uh, you should be able to find out what it is that you're looking for. But, again, uh, that might be something that you folks at the store could help out. But I think, like we say here, when folks send something in, if they were able to snap a picture with their phone, obviously you're going to be able to help them out a lot better about what they're seeing. Definitely. We uh, we get lots of uh, pictures every day to identify birds. All right, one minute left, if you could. You t- mentioned that you also sell bat boxes, so just give us uh, some final tips here in this last minute about if you have a bat box, uh, some things to think about about putting that up in your yard. 
bats are a great um, uh, insect inter- uh, deterrent. They they eat a ton of mosquitoes. Um, they're great to have during the summer, uh, late summer, early fall. Um, we have two types of bat, bo- bat boxes. One is a single chamber, and it holds around 100 bats. Wow. And then we also have a triple chamber, which holds around 300. Okay. Um, just because you put up a triple chamber bat house doesn't mean you're going to have 300 bats, though. <laughs> so, um, But there, it's great to have in your yard. You just need to make sure you put your house pretty high and um, not directly facing the sun in either direction. We usually recommend facing north. That just helps it not get too hot. So. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by generous listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, who was out today, and our guest, Nathan Weisinger, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's autocorrect with the lady on mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.